Oops. Two mistakes. Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin in the 1790s, not the 1890s. And it wasn't Julius Rosenwald that traveled all over North Carolina. It was George E. Davis. Sorry. Hello, and welcome to Episode 4 of Charlotte Mecklenburg History with Dan Morrill. I am Dan's daughter, Mary Dana, and today is Tuesday, February 4th, 2020, and I am here with Dan, and today we are going to be talking about the George E. Davis House and the Rosenwald Schools. And before we start, I wanted to let you know that you can follow Dan uh, on Instagram uh, at Dan Morrill, all one word, D-A-N-M-O-R-R-I-L-L. You can contact him by email. What's your email address, Dan? DanMorrill2, the number two, at gmail.com. Okay, you'd think I'd know that, but okay, so, and... You can also go to his website. DanMorrill.org Okay, so thanks for being with us today and for taking the time to listen to uh, my dad's story. So, take it away, Dad. Well, let me talk in the big sense. Georgie Davis, boy, he had good luck. He lived to be almost 100 years old. He was born in Wilmington, North Carolina. In 1862, which had been right during the Civil War, and he lived until 1959. He died in Greensboro, where he was living with his uh, daughter. So he had a long life. And you know, one of the reasons that people like to study history is to elevate heroes. And George E. Davis was a hero. Yes. He was a man of really remarkable accomplishment. And let me give sort of the context of what we're dealing with here. Of course, he was born an African-American. Legally, he was an African-American. He obviously was a man of intelligence and drive and verve and energy. He went to college here in Charlotte. That's what brought him to Charlotte. He graduated in 1883 from what's now Johnson C. Smith University that was originally known as Biddle Institute, B-I-D-D-L-E. was named after a Union soldier, officer who had been killed in the Civil War and his widow gave money to the school. And it was run by Northern Presbyterians. All of the faculty members were originally white. And their job, of course, was to provide educational, the best educational experience they knew for African-American males as it started out Later in the 20th century, the name of the institution was changed until to Johnson C. Smith University after another benefactor, and it did go co-ed, but it was originally all male. 
He graduated in 1883 from Biddle Institute, and he went to Howard University for two years to study medicine, but he had obviously been a very good student. And the faculty wanted him to come back to Biddle Institute to be the first African-American professor at the institution. He did so. And he came back in 1885. And he was on the faculty at Johnson C. Smith Biddle Institute well until the second decade of the 20th century. So he was a, a long-time faculty member, and he was dean of the faculty, and he was, a, he was a very, very accomplished man. His wife was named Marie, and there's a school here in Charlotte which still operates, uh, Marie Davis School, which is named for her. So they were both very much educators. And that really explains a lot of what his role and what his thoughts were about what was the best way for African Americans to try to battle against discrimination. How, how were they able to basically lean against, fight against, try to eliminate discrimination on the basis of race? And let me talk a little bit about the South and the kind of South that George Davis experienced. Many people don't realize that in 1860, 38% of the population of Mecklenburg County were enslaved people. A lot of people think that Mecklenburg County really was not deep into slavery. Well, it was very deeply into slavery. And the reason for that was essentially all economic. Uh, a very important figure in American history was a man named Eli Whitney, who invented the cotton gin in the 1890s, which allowed short staple cotton to be produced. For market, and after the because the cotton gin separated the seed from the fiber, you could produce 12 times as much cotton in Mecklenburg County in a given period of time after the cotton gin. And the world price only went down 50%, so you could make six times more money. And that's why you've got all these plantation houses around here because of that. And so we live in a semi-tropical climate and it was well suited for this staple agriculture, tobacco, cotton, rice, indigo being the great four in the South. And there's no question but that <clears throat> slavery, the attitudes about slavery hang over the South. Now, in this idea of, <clears throat> of how to overcome discrimination, there were two basic philosophies. One was advanced by a man named W.E.B. Du Bois. Now, he was in Atlanta, but he thought really it was through the courts. You had to use the law. 
And W.B. Du Bois believed that capitalism was fundamentally evil. And he was a man who really thought that only the law could, could eliminate discrimination. The other viewpoint, which George Davis obviously ascribed to, was the viewpoint of Booker T. Washington. Now, Booker T. Washington, who was originally from Virginia, obviously an African-American, very intelligent, he became the first faculty member at the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. And he represented the same values that really drove Biddle Institute. And that was that capitalism was fine. But really, in order for African Americans to reach full citizenship, they needed to become good capitalists. And the real answer was to become educated in ways that would allow them to become wealthy, prosperous, middle class. And then, of course, they would have the opportunities of full citizenship. He did not believe that African Americans should confront discrimination directly, but rather indirectly through education. There's a neighborhood in Charlotte named Washington Heights. And that's named for Booker T. Washington. Even though he did not live in Charlotte, he was greatly venerated. And there's a street in Washington Heights called Booker Street, Booker T. Washington. So George Davis believed in that. He believed in that arrangement. And he built a house as he gained prestige at Biddle Institute in the 1890s on Campus Street, and that house is still there. He and his wife, Marie Davis, lived in the house that presently is at 301 Campus Street. You can drive by it and see it. As a matter of fact, the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Historic Landmarks Commission and the university did a major restoration of that house. When was it completed? In the 1890s. I don't know no, no, the exact... No, the restoration. Oh, the restoration. May I tell you the truth? I know a lot about the past <laughs> when you go way back. It was I, I'd say eight, eight, about, about, about seven years ago. Okay. About seven years ago. Well... Now, understanding that George E. Davis was committed to education as the key, he became the North Carolina agent for what's known as the Julius Rosenwald Fund. Now, the Julius Rosenwald Fund was named for the Jewish president of Sears Roebuck and Company, and it was established in 1912. And Julius Rosenwald personally met Booker T. Washington. In fact, Julius Rosenwald was on the board of trustees of Tuskegee Institute. And Booker T. Washington convinced Julius Rosenwald 
to build standard, well-lit, efficient schoolhouses for African-American children throughout the South. There were 817 Rosenwald schools built in 93 counties in North Carolina. I think I read somewhere that North Carolina had more. It had more Rosenwald schools. And the schools, state, the, the schools had a number of plans that were standard plans. And the idea of the Rosenwald Fund was to take money and match it with local money, primarily either from local school boards or from African-American churches. And you'll find a lot of these Rosenwald schools were located next to a church. Now, I know myself and my, Mary Lynn and I, my wife, we'll drive through the countryside and we'll say, oh, look, look, there's a Rosenwald school. Because you can recognize Because we can recognize them and we know them. Well, Julius Rosenwald was untiring. I mean, he, he dedicated, really, in the teens and the 20s, the 19-teens and the 1920s, and even into the early 1930s, he traveled all over the state to raise local money to match the Rosenwald Fund. And what can you say? I mean, as I started out by saying, you want to really celebrate heroes. Now, Mecklenburg County has some Rosenwald schools. And just to sort of run them off, probably two of them are listed in the National Register of Historic Places. One of them is in Greer Heights, Now, another name for that neighborhood is Billingsville, B-I-L-L-I-N-G-S-V-I-L-L-E. Now, if you go Randolph Road, where the entrance to the Mint Museum parking lot is, Mm -hmm. and instead of turning in the Mint, you turn the other direction and go essentially east from Randolph Road, The second street to the right is Dunbar Street, D-U-N-B-A-R. And if you'll turn right on Dunbar Street and drive down the street, on your right, maybe a half block away, is the Billingsville Rosenwald School. And it's unlike most of them because it's it's, it's built out of brick. Most of them were framed. And it's 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 fully used. It's it's like a community center, mm-hmm. and they have wonderful photographs in there of the students at the Billing, at, at at the Billingsville Rosenwald School. And I remember going to an event there and how much it was appreciated. The other one that's in the National Register is in very bad shape. It's the Salome Rosenwald School, which is out near UNCC. It's off Mallard Creek Church Road, right, almost right off Interstate 85. And the Charlotte Museum of History is trying to save that building, raising the money. 
I saw where the county gave $125,000 and the city gave $50,000 toward trying to save that school because they want to move it to the museum. And of course, it would be a wonderful way to celebrate the Rosenwald School. I saw on the museum's website they have a place to donate money. They do. They do. And I think that would be a wonderful thing to honor George E. Davis because without him it wouldn't happen. There's one, interestingly enough, the Caldwell Rosenwald School, which is up on Highway 73, way up in northern Mecklenburg County, and it's used for a store. It's uh, an adaptive reuse. There's the Newell Rosenwald School, which is off the old Concord Road, down at the end of a road, right next to a church, and you really get a feel for that. I wish I could remember the street you turn, but it's it's right off Old Concord Road. It's right off. Right, right, right there in the heart of Newell. There's one in Cornelius, and Lordy me, that thing's been modified to where you can hardly recognize it. There's one in Huntersville. It's more or less served the same fate. It's been highly, highly changed. There's one uh, down off South uh, Tryon Street, way down Interstate 49. Again, it's been highly changed from the original. But anybody who knows the Rosenwald schools immediately knows that this Julius Rosenwald, through his philanthropy, did a wonderful, wonderful thing, but it never would have happened without the hero that was George E. Davis. So, you know, that's the story. What else can you say about such a wonderful man? And by the way, just for the record, some of you out there I know love gold. And did you know that the main shaft to the Rudisol gold mine still exists? very close to the intersection of South Mint Street and um, Summit Avenue. So I'll be talking about gold mines next time. Next time. Okay. And I just love being with you. Thank you very so, much. So, so we encourage you to go see the Georgie Davis house. Again, it's on 301 uh, Campus Street. And the university is still using the house now. For a foster care program where they take former foster care children who have aged out of the program and, and give them special assistance for attending Johnson C. Smith University. So it's great the house is still being used. And then also we encourage you to drive around the county and find these Rosenwald schools. And then you'll be able to... Go to Dunbar them. Street. Dunbar Street. Right. And then then you will know what they look like, too, just like my parents. So, And please join us next week when we will be talking about the gold mines. Thanks for being here. Bye, everybody. Bye.